praises to Down. 
join me in prayer. Father, once again, we count it a privilege to call you our Father and to approach your presence even though unworthy we are. We ask, Lord, tonight, this simple Wednesday night, that you would speak to our hearts and give us direction. Not only do we ask that you touch the eyes of our understanding and our minds to comprehend what you're telling us, but give us hearts, Father, that would be willing to pursue godliness and holiness and to obey all the commands that you make, make to us, Father, to move at your command. Lord, we ask that you'll be with us tonight and be with us over the weekend, we ask. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you and we give you praise. Amen and amen. Well, we are, I normally would tell individuals when they ask me where I'm living and how 
about is the weather in Canada, I would say, well, I'm living in the North Pole because uh, sometimes it feels like the North Pole. I don't know what the North Pole feels like, but um, we have had a lot of snow recently. And of course, we console ourselves because it's not as bad as some other sections of the world has here in North America. And uh, yesterday, when was it we had the snow, Brother Joe? Yesterday. Yesterday we shoveled. Um, I spent a total of five hours um, not killing myself, but shoveling snow. Five hours. Here a little and there a little. And I'm surprised that as I get older, I, my stamina, God has strengthened my stamina that I can survive longer. I remember years ago, what if I do two hours, I can't move. But now, as I get older, I become more sensitive to not only natural things and stronger in that area, but I become even more sensitive to spiritual things. Tonight, um, I want to respond to a question. I'm not a question and answer person. Uh, the last time someone asked me a question, I told that person it was a foolish and unlearned question, and I do not answer foolish and unlearned questions. Now, that person got offended, and then the person met me in private and asked me to explain that question for them. And what I told them, uh, they ended up on backslid and left the church. And uh, so I am not into answering questions as much as before. However, there was a question asked to me concerning Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day celebration. And as I'm sitting here, the name Micaiah came to my mind. And so I had to make sure it was the right name. And um, it was uh, Ahab. And, Jehos uh, and Jeroboam, I think it was, uh, two kings got together and they were uh, thinking on going up to Ramat Gilead. I'm not sure where they were about to launch an attack. And the prophets of Baal came and they prophesied. And I think it was, I am not quite sure. Let me find that here. It might have been uh, Jehoshaphat. Let me see here. Just give me one uh, moment. But the name Micaiah came to me, and I thought, that is so cute that Micaiah came to me. And um, it was King Ahab and King um, Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat and King Ahab. And uh, they were about to launch an attack on Ramat Gilead. They were going up to Ramat Gilead in battle. And so the prophets of Baal came and prophesied before uh, Jehoshaphat and before Ahab. And Jehoshaphat had no confidence in those prophets. And he turned to Ahab and he says, do you have another prophet, a prophet of the Lord that can come and prophesy? And Ahab said, yes, I've got one. He, I don't know if he told him where he was, but he was locked up. And the true prophet was locked up. And the false prophets were roaming the, the countryside. And uh, they sent and got Micaiah. Micaiah was his name. 
And Micaiah, when the messenger went to Micaiah, he told him what the situation was. And he says, if you want to be in favor of the king, go up and prophesy good things. And so Micaiah came and he stood there. Even though he knew what the Lord wanted him to say and what his normal message would be, he said to Ahab and Jehoshaphat, he says, go up and prosper, the Lord will be with you. And Ahab looked at Micaiah and he says, that's not you, my friend. He says, how often have I told you, only tell me that which God told you. And it is amazing that Ahab recognized that Micaiah did not have a wonderful message. And so when he told him that, then Micaiah told him what was going to happen, how he saw Israel running and the shepherd was killed, the sheep was scattered and the shepherd was killed. And Ahab turned to Jehoshaphat and he says, you see, I told you he had nothing good to tell me. Well, what do you want to hear when you ask me a question about Valentine's Day? What do you want me to say when a question like that is asked about Valentine's Day? You know the kind of message I preach. What do you want me to say? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. The age that we're living in, <clears throat> there is a company called Google that everybody knows. When you're, a, when you're a child of God and you want to check something out, go and Google it. And uh, there are all kinds of sources. Make sure you get either the history, uh, cons uh, history channel concept of it or some authentic concept and you find out the origin of what you are enjoying. Now, I know we say that some of us, uh, in the, all of us in gospel assembly say we are the body of Christ. And you know, I said one time there are three bodies. There's the body of Moses, there's the body of the beast, and there's the body of Christ. Now, the body of Moses can say, we're the body of Christ, but they're the body of Moses. Saying what you are does not change the reality of who you really are. You can say the body of Moses could say, or the body of Christ could say, they're the body of Moses. But no, you're not. Don't kid yourself. Uh, Gentiles are Gentiles saved by the grace of God. Don't try to be a Jew. Gentiles, be Gentiles, saved by Christ. And so there are three bodies, the body of Moses, the body of the beast, and the body of Christ. Examine yourself when you check the origin of things and see which body you're a part of. And stop preaching against Babylon if you discover you're a part of Babylon. I don't care what doctrine you preach. If your practices and your lifestyle corresponds with the system that you are preaching against, then why are you preaching against that which you're supporting internally? And a lot of these practices, you don't need Brother Singh to answer it. You can answer it yourself. Now, Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, and um, I see that I've already answered the question, I can go further, figure out as you're studying the concept that you're wanting to promote, 
figure out if Jeremiah was sitting there or Isaiah was sitting there, if he'll join you in your celebration. Or figure out if Jesus was there or Paul was there, would they join into your celebration? Or figure out what Brother Singh would say, if you know me well, what would I say? And oh, it's only Brother Singh, well, suit yourself. I preach the word of God as I feel it's necessary. And he that had ears to hear might hear, and he that had eyes to see might see. It's up to you to do that. Paul, in writing in 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, Paul ends the letter to the Corinthians, and in the last chapter of the, uh, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, in the chapter 13, he makes a statement here in verse in verse 5, he says, examine yourself. Now, here's something that you need to do. I remember years ago, I, I was out of town. I went to Hartford for a meeting. And while I was gone, I asked a couple of brothers to uh, take care of the weekend. And uh, when I was in Connecticut, I left two brothers in charge to take care of the weekend. And uh, so I came back on Monday. We got home on Monday after the weekend. And I was in church on Wednesday night. And one of the brothers came and he told me, he says, Brother Singh, you'll be upset with me. And, you know, my family told me that you would be. And I want you to do whatever you want to do to discipline me. I said, why would I be upset? Of course, I knew what happened. I'm a pastor. I know what happens, even though I might not preach about the problem. He says, well, I did not stay in tongue. I left tongue and went somewhere else to another church that I know you don't believe in. I said, well, you did? He says, but whatever you want to do with me, you want to discipline me? Uh, I'm an elder, discipline me. So I looked at that brother and I said, why don't you discipline yourself as an elder? You figure out what you deserve and measure out that discipline upon yourself than putting that responsibility in my shoulder. And so Paul is saying the same to the church at Corinth here when he is concluding his last letter to Corinth. He says, examine yourself to find out or to see whether you be, are in the faith. If you are a part of what God is doing, if you are really a part of the work of God, if you are really a part of the body of Christ, now, Corinth at one time was a part of the body of Christ. But by the time Paul was concluding this lesson, this, this assembly became a part of the body of the beast. They had gone into apostasy. Not only in our day are people in apostasy, but today religion is a mockery to God. It is really a mockery to God. Over here in 1 Corinthians, the... Uh, 10 chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing here. And tonight I'll be one of those good preachers that will probably stay on the subject for a while. And while we look at some of these scriptures, we want to use whatever was written aforetime, uh, was written for our learning and for our personal self-examination, that if God helps us, we can judge to see whether we are in the faith 
or we're not in the faith. Saying we're in the faith, saying the temple, the temple, and that is amazing. And hold your finger here in 1 Corinthians 10, and uh, let's back up here to Jeremiah uh, for a little bit, just Jeremiah for a little bit. And um, uh, when service is over and you're by yourself, you can always look at these scriptures a little more in detail. Here in Jeremiah, uh, the second chapter, and you know how the Lord told Jeremiah he was going to be an iron pillar and all of that? The Lord said here in verse 5, he said, verse 3, he said, Israel was holiness unto the Lord. It was holiness unto the Lord. He says, verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and become vain? Now, the word fathers is used here, and I want to use that cautiously, so as not to get too many enemies against me. My dad was a great man. My literal dad was a great man and uh, in his own ways. But he had a lot of things that pertained to his own likes and dislikes that I, his son, could not follow. Uh, when Christ came in my life and the Lord came in, uh, the, the Lord touched me and I accepted the Lord as my Savior, uh, the power of salvation had to reach on into what we call genes you know, they said it runs in your genes. Well, what was in my genes had to be changed. And had to be, I had to become a son of God by adoption. And the spirit and the life of Christ had to run in my genes. I had to change my genes. And we're not talking about blue genes. We're talking about the very nature that runs in you. Christ makes a difference. The fathers have eaten sour grapes. And the kid's teeth are set on edge. That's always been the problem. And why I'm saying this is that I had great fathers. All the way back in Guyana, I had great men. Uh, the man that led me to the Lord, I have never seen another man pray as much as he did. And every young man that met him and got under his ministry went out into the ministry they went out in different aspects of the world, but every one of those young men went out into the ministry one way or the other. I've seen him and was a wonderful man, but the Lord had me move on from that place. And I moved on, and it was a blessed day when I met Brother Goodwin, and uh, we have had fathers of the fellowship. But not everything Brother Goodwin has done would I incorporate in my life. I follow his ways which be in Christ, and he has taught me 80% of the things I know. David was a great man, but I can't follow everything David did. Uh, Jeremiah was a good man, but I can't say everything Jeremiah said or follow his ways. Peter was a good man, but I can't follow everything Peter said or did. These are all fathers in the faith, and it becomes necessary as a pastor and leading God's people, that I'm able to put under examination the traditions and the customs and some of the principles that are not based on Scripture that has been passed on to me as an individual. 
I must examine my father's practices and what they have passed on to me and see if it is edifying or it's just traditionalism that will hinder me. You see, in Jeremiah, I think it might have been in the 16th chapter of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah writes like this. He said in chapter 16 and verse 19, first of all, in verse 11, he says, Then shall they say unto them, Then shalt thou say unto them, Because your fathers have forsaken me, saith the Lord, and have walked after other gods, and have served them, and have worshipped them, and have forsaken me, and have not kept my law. The Lord is judging Israel because the fathers missed God somewhere in their lives. He said here in verse 19, that the Lord, O Lord, my strength and my fortress uh, and my refuge in the day of my affliction, uh, the day of affliction, the Gentiles, that's you and I, shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and say, surely our fathers have inherited lies and some of it were vanities, things that make you feel exalted and things wherein there's no profit. We have to be able, as an individual, I must be able to examine that which was passed on to me. If my fathers had little customs and little habits, not based on scripture, not necessarily sinful, but some things like they like to wear name brand stuff and all of that. Do I have to follow that? No. Paul told Timothy, he says, uh, Timothy followed his ways. Timothy will bring you in remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ. And so it is necessary for me to examine my father's. As I look at these examples of Scripture, do not ignore the examples of Scripture. And my fathers might have celebrated Valentine's Day does not mean I'll celebrate it. My fathers might have celebrated Christmas does not mean I'll celebrate it. My fathers might have even done Halloween. I don't think they did, but they might have done Halloween. Doesn't mean I will do it. But they kept the commandments of God. I will do that. They did not fornicate. I will follow that. They did not rob or steal, and they had no other gods but God. I will follow that. I will follow their ways, which be in Christ. But when I read, hindsight shows me the possibility of error lies with every generation that comes on. And so back here in, in Jeremiah, it says, um, in uh, what iniquity, verse 5, in chapter uh, chapter 2, it says in verse 5, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? that they have gone far from me and, and have walked after vanity and are become vain. When I look sometimes at some of us as ministers, it looks like the, the ungodly man out there does not have the class and classiness or, or the uh, personal ego and uh, charm that we try to manifest. When I look for sackcloth, I don't find it. When I look for uh, arrogance and exalted personal pride, I see that. And I don't see Christ and his humility very often in our midst. I see individuals that are like lords over God's heritage. Sometimes I do see that. And we must be able to develop the spirit of Christ. And Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah is warning the people here. And he said in verse, um, he's verse 8, he says, the priests 
the religious men. This is Israel, my friend. This is not Gentiles like you and I. This is Israel, the true olive branch that God had no problem cutting them off, much more us Gentiles. We've got to be careful what we get involved in, that we don't bring into the work of God a Gentile mentality. We can say whatever we can, but if it's not what God approves, it's a problem. He says, the priest, uh, say not, where is the Lord? The people don't question, is God here? No, we try to manufacture the spirit. The more music we have and the more rhythm we have and the more screaming we have, we feel that's God. But there's no power to transform and, uh, and eliminate sin from our lives. And I wish that COVID-19 is an eye-opener because we are as powerless as the ungodly man out there when it comes to this virus and pestilence from God. So what do we do? Examine ourselves. And Paul, uh, I, Jeremiah went on, he says, he says, uh, they that handle the law of God uh, knew me not. They did not have a personal experience, verse 8. They did not have a personal experience with God and they were in the ministry. He goes on to say, the pastors have transgressed against me and the prophets prophesy by Baal. And walk after their own things that do, and after things that do not profit. They involve themselves or whatever they're involved in. The priests and the prophets are involved in ideologies and things that offer no profit spiritually. I'm not talking profit economically. It's profit spiritually. Verse 18. And now what has thou to do with the way of Egypt? The practices and customs of a land that you give up years ago, the pagan practices of Egypt. What have you to do with Egypt? He says, or the waters of the Nile, Sihor, the Nile, or that, or what has thou to do with the way of the Assyrians, the way of Assyria, to drink of the waters of the river? In other words, why are you going back uh, to the way of life that God saved us from? When I found the body of Christ, or the Lord brought me into the body of Christ in 1975, there was a desire to draw closer to God, and every year would be a closer sanctification from the things of this world, the customs and practices of the world. But you see, there comes a time, uh, hold your finger in Jeremiah, and I got your finger all over the place, but uh, turn back to Isaiah. Isaiah I had to deal with the same as that same concept here. He said in chapter 1 of Isaiah verse 21, how is the faithful city become a harlot? Isaiah, Jeremiah is addressing the same problem that God's children were involved in. Spiritual harlotry. Spiritual harlotry. And today I believe many of us that claim that we are in the body of Christ are Catholics in disguise. I'll say that again. Many of us that claim to be a part of the body of Christ are really Catholics in disguise because we are, our minds are corrupted by the theology of Catholicism and the customs and practices of Catholicism. But that's, that's, 
that's okay. Listen, if a Catholic wants to celebrate that, and some things we don't make, need to make big issues out of, but a small fox can spoil your vine. All you have to do to drift from truth is absolutely nothing. You stand at the seaside and look at the driftwood and you pay attention, hey, there's a driftwood. The sea is not like a river, it's just there stagnant. And you turn and have a conversation with your family. When you look back, the driftwood has moved on. That's why it's called driftwood. And we can be drifting gradually to hell and don't even know it. So we don't do what everybody else is doing. Let them alone. Let the Pharisee alone. Let the Catholic alone. Let the religions out there alone. Let them do what they're doing. But don't drink of the waters, uh, that which comes from Egypt or Assyria or the Nile. Don't do that. We belong to God. It's either you're a part of the body of Moses, you're a part of the body of the beast, or you're a part of the body of Christ. Examine yourself. And Isaiah, when he writes, he talks like this. And then in Amazing, he comes into chapter 3 and he makes some terrible statements. He says in verse 8, For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen. Now, in chapter 1, he said to the people, he says, Woe unto you. I'm going to just say this and pass on. He said, Except the Lord of Sabaoth has left us a small remnant. The Lord of hosts had left us a small remnant. Chapter 1, verse 9, he said, We would have become like Sodom and have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah is telling Israel. He says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom and you people of Gomorrah. He says, uh, He's calling God's people, rulers of Sodom and people of Gomorrah. These are God's children that he brought out of Egypt. What's wrong with you, Isaiah? Nothing is wrong with him. In chapter 3, he says here in verse 8, And Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory, to show the show of their countenance, that witness against them. The way they dress, the way they, their attire is, their countenance, what they're doing. They declare their sin as Sodom. Now you can figure that out. That's why I'm letting you Google things out. Their sin is as the sin of Sodom. Google that also. They hide not, not hide it not. They flaunt. When you have the... There's a spirit working in you. You like to flaunt it and let everyone see. The best place to flaunt your ignorance is on Facebook. Almost, if I was in church, I'd say the church is quiet. And he goes on here. He says, Woe unto the wicked, verse 11. It shall be ill with them, for the reward of their hand shall not be uh, shall be given him. As for my people, as for my people, children are their oppressors, and women shall rule over them. As a minister, I sit here today, and my daughter is sitting to my left, my wife to my right. God called me to the ministry, and he asked Chandri, my wife, 
to work with me in the ministry. She never teaches me what to do. She does not come and says, Dad, we need to sin a little. Let us do Christmas. If she hear, I said, I'm, I don't think I want Christmas, she eliminates every Christmas paraphernalia from the house. Amen. She never influences me otherwise. And my daughter does not try to push me. Well, you know, it's my little daughter, so let's compromise with the world a little because of the kids. A world, a society that Isaiah did not even understand will come, that's in our day, where children becomes the major influence to direct families into doing the wrong thing. Wives, including pastor's wives, and that is why when a pastor's wife, whoever it is, tried to give me counsel, I listened to it with a deaf ear. Forgive me. I'm called of God. I listen to the Lord. Women can give you good advice. I've got some good advice from Sister Chandry, but she never undermines the word of God that I should represent. As a matter of fact, I get rebuked if for some reason I'm creating an impression contrary to the gospel I preach. Amen. So we go back to Jeremiah and move on here before time runs out on me. And Jeremiah goes on, he says um, in verse, uh, what chapter we were in? Chapter 2, uh, chapter 3, chapter, okay, chapter 5. Let's move to a few verses here. Verse 30, a wonderful thing, a wonderful and horrible. Uh, the word wonderful does not mean pleasurable or sweet and nice. It means uh, something to wonder over. A wonderful and horrible thing is happening in the land. What's happening? What's happening? Well, here is what is happening. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their own means, and the people love to have it so. We live in an age where anything to entertain the people, they will support your ministry. You preach the truth, and they will not follow you. They will come against you. Uh, in chapter 7, uh, Jeremiah rebuked them here. And he says, amend your ways. Don't say temple, temple, verse 4. He says, don't say temple, 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 praise the Lord. He says, amend your ways and your doings, verse 5. He says, uh, change your attitude, change your lifestyle. Verse 18, he says, the children gather wood. It's a family affair. The children are gathering the wood. Well, why are you gathering wood, child? Because, you know, we need to celebrate what the world is celebrating. And the fathers kindle the fire. And the women need the dough to make the celebration to the queen of heaven accepted. Queen of heaven has been long time on this earth. And uh, uh, Jeremiah says, the Lord said to Jeremiah, Thus said the Lord, verse 21, The God of Israel, put your burnt offerings Unto, uh, unto your sacrifice and eat flesh. For I spake not to your fathers, nor commanded them in that day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings. The Lord is condemning Israel here. And he talks about, he says, since that day, verse 20, 25, your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt. Unto this day have I uh, even 
This day I have even sent unto them all the servants and prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they hearken not unto me, nor incline their ears, but harden their necks. Now I'm preaching to you, and you can go Google, and if I, my message can reach you, Google will. Because some of you listen to Google more than you listen to the preacher. So if Google would help save you, then let Google do the job. And he says here in verse 28, But thou shalt say unto them, The nation that obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, nor received correction. Truth is perished. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. When we backslide and we're going contrary to what God wants, truth is perished and is cut off from our mouth. Chapter 16. We finish with chapter 16. Let me go back to my scripture here before time runs out on me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is writing to an already on the way backslidden church. And he's making some beautiful statements and I want to go through this here. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant, Paul says. I want to educate you on this area. How that all our fathers, he says our fathers. We see the word come back again, fathers. And fathers are wonderful, but fathers could have error. And I pray that those that come after me, if they see an iniquity or an error working in my life, they would not follow me. I've said that to my local church over and over again, that if you see me walk contrary to God, don't even follow me across the street. That's a phraseology that we have used for years. Follow me as I follow Christ. Don't take all my ways. I've got some ways that I hope you'd never follow. Not necessarily sinful ways, but they're weights and baggages that I must eliminate and ask God to help me with. I like the terminology I used the other day. Some are like crazy glue. Stuck forever. And so it says, um, uh, but uh, they says, moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant how that all, all our fathers under the cloud... Uh, uh, all our fathers under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses. They became a part of Moses' body and they all did eat of the same spiritual meat. Uh, that is Christ. And they all drank of the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. You mean in the Old Testament? Yes, he was that angel that led Israel through the wilderness. He was God leading them through the wilderness. And he says, with them, but with many, even though Christ was there leading them, bring them out of bondage, bring them out of Egypt, brought them out of Babylon, spiritually speaking, Babylon lived in their hearts. It says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things that we're reading in the Bible and we're reading in the New Testament and Old Testament were our example. These things were our examples to what purpose? To the intent that we should not lust after evil things. Now, you've got to figure out what Paul is telling the church of Corinth 
and figure out if that's the same thing Brother Singh is saying to you tonight. Uh, he says, so they also lusted, neither be idolaters. See, the Ten Commandments God gave Moses, eight were uh, positive laws in that one said, remember the Sabbath, and the other one says, honor thy father and thy mother. But eight of those commandments were negative laws. It told, told you exactly, bluntly, you had no choice. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And it goes down, you don't have a choice. But Jesus said, it has been said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I'm making it tougher. If you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery. James made it even tougher. It has evolved. Sin has evolved. Idolatry has evolved. Adultery has evolved. Murder has evolved. James says friendship with the world makes you an adulterer and an enemy of God. And so today we're living in a world that's full of all kinds of stuff. Which one are you, a part of the body of Christ? No wonder Brother Goodwin had that vision from the Lord. He says, the healing of the beast necessitates the healing of the body. You don't heal that which is well. You heal that which is sick. And maybe God was telling us that we need a healing because we're too contaminated. And it goes on here. Neither be idolaters, nor for, uh, like some, as were some of them, as it is written, the people rose, uh, sat down to eat and to drink and to have a wonderful time of fun. Now, I believe in fun. Nothing beats a good sitting down at a, a nice Chinese meal. Hmm? Or a good dinner that mom prepared. We can laugh. Sure, until you hear about the next problem somebody has. But here Israel loved to fun and frolic and play. Neither let, let us commit fornication. You mean physical fornication? They were doing physical fornication. They were doing physical fornication back there. But fornication has evolved into spiritual fornication. If we belong to Christ and we partake of what the beast offer, we are committing spiritual fornication. So you figure it out. I didn't say anything bad about Valentine's Day, nor Christmas Day, nor any other day. Goes on to say in verse uh, 9, let us not tempt Christ as some of them tempted him. And what he did, they were destroyed of servants. Think about it. You want to have a good celebration and you want to have a nice dinner and you call it Valentine's Day and you buy the cards and the angels, the little baby angels with wings on them. You know, that is a part of Valentine's. I posted something to the end of Facebook that gives you a little history of Valentine's. It's all Catholic. Goes back to Saint Valentine. Come on, St. Francis of Assisi, St. Jude, St. Valentine. What? All Saints Day? Leave the body of Christ a little and go contaminate yourself. That's okay, right? Go up and prosper, man. I'm my kaya tonight. Enjoy yourself. 
And when the wrath of God comes, remember these scriptures I've used. Somewhere down the line, we have to be sanctified. It's not overnight process. It will take time to eliminate things and customs that we engage ourselves in. And that is why every new message against pagan customs reduces the church attendance and congregation. And Paul went on here. He says, uh, they tempted Christ and they were tempted and they were destroyed of serpents. Verse 10, neither murmury as some murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples that they are written for our admonition. We're reading the Bible and see what happened to Israel, how they went into Sodomy seemingly, and their rulers were called rulers of Sodom, and the people were called people of Gomorrah, and that's not the only sin. There are the sins, many, many sins that we can be involved in, but if God had judged his own people, what makes you think us Gentiles can bring our little Gentile fun and frolic into the church and produce the bride of Christ? It's because your concept of who makes the bride of Christ is, is absolutely, extremely, and ridiculously flawed. The bride of Christ is not some bunch of jokers that is screaming hallelujah. No, they're people that follow the lamb, whithersoever he goeth. And so when you're thinking about a feast, Think about Jesus occupying a chair and thinking about Jeremiah taking one and Paul taking the other one. And Paul went on here, he says, and these things happen for an example that we, they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the earth, the world are come. Let us, let, wherefore, let us, a man that think you stand. If you're listening to me and says, don't worry, that brother saying, I know, whatever, Suit yourself. You see, I'm not saying knock yourself out. Suit yourself. When you think you stand, watch out, my friend. This message is for you. Do not ignore it. Whether you're a minister or you're a member in the church or you're an elder in the church, don't build your own ego up. Don't think you're standing when you're standing on sinking sand. Because the foundation of Christ will stand sure. But when you're standing and sinking sand, it'll suck you up. He says, there's no temptation taken you as is not common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able. But the Lord has a way to help us to overcome these problems. But with, uh, but with, with, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my beloved, beloved, flee from idolatry. Any form of worshiping something, some day or some celebration or some custom, stop worshiping pagan customs. Worship God. Amen. Worship God. Flee idolatry. I say, I speak to you as wise men. I don't know if Paul was sarcastic here, but he says, I speak to you as individuals that should know better. Judge ye what I say. If you're a minister, don't let your wife dictate for you. 
Your wife should be praying for you. And I'm so glad when I can read a wife saying, my husband preached a wonderful message today, a life-changing message. I love things like that. Then your wife grab you by her, your nose, and leading you to hell and you don't even know. May God help us. And the cup of blessings which we bless, is it not a communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not a communion of the body of Christ? Uh, Paul goes on here, he says, But I say unto you Gentiles, verse 20, I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. The margin says demons and not to God. Some things are for the glory of the devil and the glory of paganism and the glory of Catholicism and the glory of everything contrary to God, not for God's glory. Is Christ getting glory in this? And he goes on to say, I would not that you should have fellowship with the devil. I'm telling you what Paul told Corinth. You figure it out for yourself what you should do. But here is what it says very emphatically. You cannot, verse 21, drink the cup of Jesus and partake of pagan customs and drink the cup's cup of devils at the same time. I'm reading this over. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. I got five minutes more. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Well, I don't have time to go to church. But I got time to spend with my unsaved family. Listen, don't have excuses. Someone says an excuse is a lie, sausage in the skin of a reason. Not like that explanation. It's a lie. Don't be lying to God. Become a man. Gird up thy loins, God told Job, like a man and answer me. See, ever so often, us men become a little weak and fickle. And the Lord says, do we provoke the Lord to jealousy, Paul says? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful. Listen, uh, what is wrong with somebody enjoying a little dinner together? Well, nothing is wrong. Here is Sister Chandri. Some days, uh, some days I would come home, and she don't like me to spend money foolishly, but some days I'll come home, and bring some flowers home when there is no occasion. Isn't that a good thing? She's nodding. You don't have to wait for Valentine's Day to give your wife flowers. What's wrong with you, man? Every day is Valentine's Day for me. But I call it Desmond's Day. Or Appreciation Day. Let's make up some of our own customs. Don't wait for the sinners out there to make merchandise out of you. You're a child of God. Go swim against the tide. <clears throat> May God help us. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Sometimes an innocent thing, a small fox, becomes an obstacle I have three minutes left, and I'll turn your attention to four verses more in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, Paul says here in verse 14, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion had light with darkness? He says, on what concord has Christ with the devil? Or pagan idolatry. What concord has Christ with the devil? At what, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Are you a believer or are you an infidel? I'm not sure which one. Are you a Christian or are you a pagan? I'm not sure. Are you a body of Christ or the body of the beast? Well, I'm not any of those. I'm the body of Moses. Get real, my friend. Let not truth lie dead in the street, in your street. Verse 15, what concord has Christ with the devil? What part had he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement had the temple of God with idols? Or what, uh, or, uh, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Go slow with me here, two minutes to go. He says, wherefore, come out, come out. Come out, don't contaminate. Come out from among them and be separate and touch not, uh, the un touch not the unclean thing. And the Lord says, I will receive you and I will be your father, a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the almighty God. What a privilege. Don't mess it up. What a privilege. Don't mess it up. Flee idolatry. Flee idolatry. Flee idolatry. May God help us. Let us pray. Father, again we give you thanks for giving us utterance tonight and giving us a message that can challenge sanctification, the process of sanctification in our lives. Touch our minds tonight, Lord, and let this word reach on into our hearts and change us. Help us not to follow the way of the heathen, O oh, Father, are to hold on to traditions passed on to us by our forefathers that are not profitable spiritually, but are vain and useless, Father. Help us to pursue that which you offer us. In Jesus' name, we ask that you'll continue to illuminate our minds and our hearts, Father. Cleanse us our spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Mm -hmm.